Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. How do you profit from the profound demographic shift that's coming ahead? Well, if you want to predict the future with accuracy, only one crystal ball will do, and that's people by the numbers. By looking at demographics, we can predict the future from commercial to social to political to cultural trends. Counting people reveals what will the trend be over the next 10 years. So that's because it's based on what people are really doing from fertility to the location, meaning where they live and to aging. For instance, women are on the rise in the workforce today, shattering glass ceilings. Meanwhile, Gen Y, which as you know is the millennials, the largest generation in history, they're going to be moving into their own home soon. So these are just two of the key changes that will be determining fortunes and futures of many people and what is going to happen over the next 10 years. So do you want to get ahead in your field or in real estate? Well, pay attention to the trends we're about to discuss with my guest here in just a moment. My friend MC Lobsher, the host of Cashflow Ninja podcast and president of Producers Wealth, is on a mission to help you achieve financial independence as soon as possible. He achieves this by integrating the infinite banking concept and real estate investing to increase your financial efficiency and recapture cash flow that you're not even aware you're losing. MC shares the number one strategy investors use in his holistic wealth creation course at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. It's my pleasure to welcome Ken Gronbach to the show. Ken is the president of KGC Direct and is an internationally respected demographer who has been able to forecast societal, commercial, economic, cultural, and political phenomena with uncanny accuracy. Ken's unusual blend of marketing savvy and common sense demography, based on his 20 years of proprietary demographic study, really sets him apart. Ken keynotes all over the United States and does customized demographic research. You will find that Ken's steadfast position that the United States is the best nation on earth has given him a firm belief that the country's best days are ahead. Seasoned with his spirited presentations, he has an unmistakable pro-American enthusiasm. Ken's latest book, Upside, Profiting from the Profound, a Demographic Shift Ahead, was just published last year, and I just bought it, and I'm currently reading it, and it is an outstanding book. I highly recommend it. I'm excited to have Ken on the show today. Ken, welcome to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. So Ken, listen, you know, you're referred to as a demographer, a futurist, and you're also referred to as a generational marketing expert. Kind of an interesting title. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. How did you get to this point? It was funny how I got to this point because I was in the advertising business. I had an advertising agency for 21 years here in Connecticut. And we were a retail agency doing about $40 million, which is not a ton, but it was a good life. And a signature account was American Honda Motorcycles. And in 1986, American Honda Motorcycles, all of a sudden, it's like their market evaporated. We could not figure out why. Kawasaki, Suzuki, and Yamaha did the same thing. Harley Davidson suddenly blossomed and was selling. It was a terrible motorcycle. So how do they get into this? We beat our brains out trying to save American Honda for about six years. Business fell 80% and then it shut down. In 1996, I was in my office 
And in October of the year, it was election year, Clinton versus Dole, and it was an indictment of what I believe to be your generation. And it said that Generation X, born 1965 to 1984, am I right? Correct. Was a bunch of lazy slacker couch potatoes, and they were not involving themselves in the political process. And what was the United States going to come to if Generation X was our future? Well, I had 40 people working for me at the time, and, and 30 of them were Gen Xers. I didn't have any lazy people, so I couldn't figure out what the heck they were talking about. So I, I had some research done on it by our research department, which was one guy. And he came back after a few days and I said, so what's the story about Generation X? And he said, the, they'll never perform at the level of the boomers. And I said, why? And he said, there's fewer of them. And it, that didn't go in. It was weird, Marco. It just didn't, it didn't go in my head. And I said, what do you mean the fewer of them? He said, they weren't born. He said, we had a birth dearth between 1965 and 1984. He said, the boomers were born 45 to 64, 80 million. He said, there were only 69 million of these Gen Xers. And I said, they're just simply not there. And he said, yeah. And I said, I think we just solved the whole mystery with Honda motorcycles. We knew we sold motorcycles to men, 16 to 24. That was it. 25, they sold a bike, got married, and it was over. Once the baby boomers exited that very small, very narrow mm -hmm. demo, it was over. And it launched me, Marco. It absolutely launched me. I said, we just made a discovery. We went back and looked at your generation. You shut down maternity wards. You shut down the toy industry. You closed 30% of the public schools. You shut down the motorcycle industry. You shut down bicycles, certainly. You shut down the automobile industry. And nobody could figure out why, but nobody bothered to count you. You're a hole in the population. That was the launch. Now, everything springboarded from there. Well, at the time, Gen X was like a pig in a python. How could you miss it? It's such a massive bell curve. It was, up until recently, the largest... No, not, not Gen X. The boomers were a pig in the python. Oh, correct. The boomers. So, I mean, even so, when we're talking about demographics, we're essentially talking about people, more specifically, numbers of people. And so they cause shifts in everything. So you cannot everything. miss that. And especially a marketing department where you worked at, it's unbelievable that they would not be aware of their clientele, their customers either coming and growing or leaving. That's a huge mistake. Yeah. You want another example? Sure. Well, this is more recent. I was asked to speak to the hospitality industry in downtown Manhattan. And what I was told when I was hired, I, and sometimes I get hired by private companies, individuals, associations, and other times I get hired by speaking bureaus. This was a speaker bureau job. And they tr were trying to coach me on, on how to handle this very, very elite group of chief marketing officers from all over the world. And they said, listen, Ken, you're going to be talking to million dollar salaries. And these people are very, very astute. So we look at your material. We've seen your videos. We suggest you elevate the presentation a bit because you're going to lose them because they already know what you're talking about. And when somebody tells me that, you know, I'm always cautious. So hospitality industry, all sitting around, there was only about 20 of them sitting around a round table, downtown Manhattan. Google was there. American Express was there. Hilton was there, Sheraton, and then the Guinness Book of Records, everybody else. <laughs> and I got up in front of this group and I said, what's the most important question in marketing? And I said, we're going to go around the room. You guys tell me. And so Google said, it's understanding social media. If you don't understand social media, you'll, you'll never understand how to reach Generation Y. Hilton says it's new products. We're making our rooms smaller. We're making our lobbies bigger. We're really getting into the head of Generation Y. Somebody else said, it's psychographics. You have to understand the mindset of Generation Y. And so we're carefully studying it. And they went around the room and gave me variations of that. And by the time they were finished, I looked at them all and I said, nobody here got, the, got it. 
And they kind of said, what? And I said, it's how big is my market? And is my market getting bigger or smaller? Right. And they went, oh, I said, yeah. I said, that's it. That is it. If everything else is window dressing, if you don't understand the size of your market, how many people are in it, you're flying blind. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Good story. So, you know, we're talking about demographics. So let's kind of lay a foundation here for those people who are not familiar with the term or even the concept of demographics. What is it? And really, why should we care? The best example I could give or the best lesson that was actually given to me by my daughter when she was 15 years old. She's now 26. I'm driving my car. She's in the back seat with a friend. And her friend says to her, what does your dad do? And I can hear <laughs> it. And my daughter said, he's a demographer. And there's always a pause. It's like, the heck is that? But her friend was very astute. She said, is that like, kind of like an accountant or an economist? And my daughter said, no, no. Accountants and economists count money and stuff. My dad counts people. And people are more important than money and stuff. So what is demography? What demography is the accounting of people? So if you can understand what an economist does or what an accountant does with money, substitute people, and that's what a demographer does. We look at critical mass, we make calculations, go by formulas, and figure things out based on the numbers of people. That's a great answer. That was a great answer by your daughter, too. So I read somewhere that you claim or you say that demographics precipitates economics and not the other way around. And I think if I thought that through logically, I, I would almost argue that economics precipitates demographics only because I would think that if the economy is doing well and people are flush and they're having babies, that kind of drives population growth. But you're saying it's the other way around. What do you mean by that? The thing that drives population is parents. If you don't have a lot of parents, they simply just were not born. I don't care what the economy is. I don't care how good it is. I really don't. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. For example, a good case in point here would be China. China for 37 years had a one child only policy, one child only. What was the net result of that? Well, they're missing. There's a whole population of people that are simply not there. There's a half billion, 500 million people that are not there under 40 years old. And now they're saying, okay, well, we made a mistake. So let's start having babies. Now you can have three. And in some cases, you can have as many as you want. Is that going to solve the problem? can't. The problem exists. Unless you're going to have babies that are 25 years old, you'll never fix that. No. People precipitate money and people precipitate economics. And it's just that simple. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And then we have demographers that are promoting larger families, or at least having larger families. But a lot of us have been told, whether through the media, friends, or school, that the world is overpopulated. Maybe certain countries are overpopulated. You know, India comes to mind in that situation. But is that a good thing or a bad thing? And what's the fact and fiction in all that? You're going to have a party. Let's see. Marco's got a lot of friends. Marco's got 7 billion friends, the population of the earth. And you want to invite 7 billion of your closest friends to come to your party. And you want to give them four square feet so they can dance at your party because you want your friends to be happy. Do you know what state you could have your party in? Texas. (laughs) Rhode Island. You're kidding. No. If you wanted to have... All 7 billion of your closest friends live with the same density as Manhattan Island. You can put them all in Texas. We don't have a problem. Food, we produce enough food to feed 14 billion people a day and throw half of it away every day. The problem getting food to the the 1 billion people that are starving is a distribution issue past corrupt governments. It has nothing to do with production. We're fine. And the thing that concerns me 
is when people say, well, we shouldn't have kids or we should reduce the number of children that we're having, they have to keep in mind they live in a market economy. The United States is a market economy. The EU is a market economy to a large extent. Eastern Europe is even a market economy, not so much Russia. That's what China is trying to be. But if you start tampering with your population, if you start tampering with nature, if you start tampering with the number of babies that a woman can have, you're going to eliminate a, probably at least three categories, and that is consumers and laborers and taxpayers. Yeah, and that's a big you problem. That's what, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned China. I even think Japan, if I'm not mistaken, was tampering with their fertility. It could be argued these countries are in trouble because if they cap the amount of new generations that are coming in, you said it yourself, it stifles taxes, it stifles productivity, working age people to replace those who are aging that can no longer produce in the economy. So I guess what you're saying is these countries are in trouble, or if they're not in trouble today, they will be in the decades to come. Japan's cooked. They know it. Their fertility dropped like a stone on a voluntary basis. I think it has a lot to do with the level of technology and the replacement of normal relationships with relationships on the internet. Computers don't have babies. What's happening now in Japan is the serious issue that they have is they don't have children, they don't have marriages. People are not getting married. So if you're not gonna get married, you're not gonna have kids, you're not gonna have families. So the family has disintegrated. And it is a totally xenophobic country. They fear and hate strangers. So they don't bring in outside labor. So they're just making their older population work longer. Is that going to solve the problem? Japan's history. Japan physically is history. There's still wealth there. They're still producing product, but they're probably going to have to make it in another country. China, on the other hand, because of the magnitude of the error, and ironically, they were persuaded to go to the one-child-only policy by Henry Kissinger. Wow. (laughs) I wonder if that was intentional. I don't know. But the magnitude of the issue, missing a half billion people, there's nothing they can do to fix that. Nothing. Wow. Does that mean China's going to go away? No, probably not. But they're not going to be able to fake the 5 or 6% GDP increases anymore. It's just not going to happen. You know where you want to be fertility-wise? Right here. Yeah. Right here. Now, is that purely because of fertility or is that because of immigration and immigration policy or lack thereof? No, it's because of fertility. United States, right now, we're going through a little bit of a baby shortage, but that's because of your generation. There aren't enough parents in in your generation to produce the number of children that we would ordinarily need. So the fact that your generation was small has influenced us. But one of the things that's happened is because you were not a big enough labor force in the United States, it sucked in Mexicans like a vacuum. And the Latinos have babies. We broke a record in 2007 with 4,316,000 babies. We broke a 21-year record. We had 4,300,000 babies in 1957, baby boomers. But in 2007, 51 years later, we had 4,316,000 babies, 25% of which were Latino. Without Latinos, we don't have a country in 50 years because we wouldn't have enough of anybody. I tell folks, I said, you want to enjoy the country that we have now? Go find a Latino. Kiss them on the lips and thank them for coming. So seriously. Well, we could do a lot of that in California. That's for sure. Well, yeah, you can. But you know what's happening is they come in. If you followed migrations of Latinos in the United States, they literally come in in California and then they spread out through the country. They really do. We have a high concentration of them in Chicago. I don't know why. Mexicans. Nobody's ever been able to tell me that. But 
we're in good shape. We really are. So what is going to happen is the generation right after you, born 1985 to 2004, is the largest generation in our history. It is uh, 87 million, which means it's really 7 million more people than boomers. And they're just now, they're getting married late. They're having children late. They're buying their houses late, but they are doing it. So that's going to drive the economy for the next 20 years. And you're referring to Gen Y here. Millennials, yeah. Millennials, yeah. So before we get into that, what would you say is the correct replacement level fertility rate in the U.S.? I've read different things about this. 2.2. So 2.2 kids per couple. Interesting. And where are we at today? I would say that we're probably about 1.9. So we're slowly behind the growth curve that we should be on. You're behind the growth curve, but that will self-correct. It is an issue, but I don't think it's a devastating issue, especially with the number of immigrants that have come into our country. We need immigrants. We always, we need immigrants. We need immigrants for labor. I speak to agriculture. I speak to farming. I speak to forestry. They all need immigrants, all. You clearly have a rosy view, as you like to say, of the future of the United States and probably yeah. North America, yeah. at least the Americas in general. Is that because of population growth here, immigration policy? What are the considerations for having such an optimistic view of the Americas? The best way to look at that is is to look at the pessimistic view of other areas. Let's talk about the EU, even the Mays country, Great Britain. If you don't have kids, you don't have teenagers. And if you don't have teenagers, you don't have adults. What's happened? That's just the way it goes. You're laughing, but you know, there's a ton of people out there that simply, that doesn't go in. That doesn't go in. Are they politicians? I don't know. I don't know what it is. (laughs) A baby is a baby. They have babies and babies do not stay babies very long. They really don't. Before you know it, they're walking before you, case in point is my kids, all of a sudden they're grown up. That breaks my heart. EU did not have children. Their fertility across the board, Portugal, Spain, France, Germany, whatever, one, six, one, five, one, four. They're not replacing themselves. So now those kids that they didn't have would have been grown up, but they don't have labor. So where do they get their labor? They get it off of North Africa. And it comes in the form of a culture that is not homogeneous with yours. It doesn't mix with yours. There's no really anything you can do to make the Muslim culture and Western culture mix because they don't. I mean, God bless the Muslims, but they're different. The Muslims come in. So what's going to happen is because... Indigenous folks in the EU did not have kids. Now they have a real problem with their immigrants. Now, go a little further. Go to Russia. Russia has an old, sick population. They're not having kids. They're not getting married. And no immigrants are going to go there. First of all, they don't. They won't let them. So what does Russia do? Russia is a gas station that runs on natural resources. They have about 40% of the world's resources. But unless it's at 80 bucks a barrel, they're in trouble. I don't know. It goes on and on. I can take you around different countries. What's happening in Australia? Their fertility drops. People are bailing out of China. Wealthy people are bailing out of China. Where are they going? They're going to the United States. They're going to Canada. And they are going to Australia. Australia will be Chinese. Wow. Just well. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. You know where the best fertility in the world is right now? It's in Mexico. Fertility is almost perfect. Why is that? What I learned when I was in Cal State Long Beach, and we talked about that earlier, I came from Connecticut. I was from Connecticut. I thought everybody was Italian and Polish. Right. <laughs> But I would go into Denny's on Sunday morning, and there would be the Latino families. I pushed the tables together, and I'm saying, I never had family like that. That is the most amazing thing. Look at this. Look at this family. Latino family is important. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, being an Italian, family is everything when it comes to a European culture, especially being Italian. Yeah. So it's not uncommon to have three or four kids. You know, we're not Mormon, but we still tend to have a lot of kids. But I think that's yeah. changing in this generation, though, because a lot of the Italian families that I grew up with are not having a large number of kids, generally speaking. So maybe that's a changing trend. I don't know. But, you know, demographics are about people and counting people and how that affects us and the economy. And for me, my focus is primarily real estate because I always look at real estate and how we can use that as a tool to create financial freedom and all that good stuff. So in order to segue into that topic, let's just touch on immigration for a moment because the topic of immigration is in the news a lot these days. We're talking about building a wall on the southern border and just immigration just seems to be an ongoing conversation. What sure. would you say is happening with immigration trends and how is that ultimately going to impact real estate here in the United States? The generation Y, the millennials, if we dug into the ethnicity of generation Y, we would find that a good part of generation Y is Latino. Okay, but they're everybody else too. They're Italians, they're Polish. You know, we're mostly German here in the United States, German descent. So what happened? What is the single biggest influence to real estate going forward? We have 150 million housing units in the United States, give or take. That'd be a good number. And I've looked at a lot of numbers. There are 330 million people in the United States. When you count the illegals, and I count everybody, the two largest parts of our population, the baby boomers, 80 million and 87 million of their kids essentially live under one roof still. They're not moved out yet. They have to, because the millennials are not going to raise their families in their parents' house. They're going to find their own quarters. So they're going to get married. They're going to start their own households. And you know what the shortage is? 25 million housing units. So we need to build. I spoke to an association of loggers up in Oregon about a half a year ago, and they can't cut trees fast enough. What's going to happen is this need for housing you see it all over. You see it in Huntington Beach. They're building apartments. Everywhere is apartments. Why? Yep. Because they, the kids have to have some place to live. So building, if you can calculate where these people are going to live, there's incredible opportunities in real estate. 25 million housing units short of our needs right now. What did we find out in 2008 when we had too many houses? Well, that housing was the economy and the economy was housing. Now, here we are in 2019, and we don't have enough houses. Do the same rules apply? Yeah, it's going to go the other way. I agree with what you're saying. We have housing projects going up all over the place in, in California here that I can see. And these are larger multi-unit projects. I would think that density has a lot to do with it here, not just the demand, but density, because real estate's very expensive in California, the coastal markets, almost everywhere throughout the United States. So we have to lower the cost and make it more affordable simply by stacking people on top of each other through you know, these higher density multi-unit projects. But I totally agree with you that there's a demand for housing. Now, I don't remember where I read or saw this statistic. It was some sort of research paper. We need somewhere around a million new housing units per year, and we've probably needed that for a long time, but we're only creating about three quarters of a million, 750,000 units a year which leaves us with a pretty large deficit on an annual basis. I don't know how long that's been going on for, probably at least 10 years, if not longer. But a major issue going forward is clearly housing, which 
is sad, but at the same time, exciting for me and the audience listening to this podcast, because it leaves a great opportunity for us as real estate investors. Are you looking for a roadmap to financial freedom? If so, we have a solution for you. Narada Real Estate is offering a limited number of free strategy sessions to help you get out of the rat race. Learn how you can create wealth and build monthly passive income. To set up a time with one of our knowledgeable investment counselors, simply go to naradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. So the question I'm going to throw out to you is, what do you see happening over the coming years and decades related to housing? It's going to explode. Well, that's a great answer. (laughs) Yeah, there's no way around it. There's no alternative unless you're going to live in tents. So there's got to be housing units. I'll give you an example of one that's just a little bit different because I spoke to a company out of Virginia called Caton Company, and what they build is affordable housing. And like these, a double wide that you put on a slab. I live in Florida. I do a lot of interviews, not as sophisticated as yours. This is very, very nice. Oh, thank you. But I, I speak to a lot of real estate type magazines. And I got a call that kind of freaked me out about three or four months ago from a lovely woman who called me from Florida. I was up in Connecticut at the time. And she said, Ken, I just want you to answer this one question because I'm putting the story together. But when is the baby boomer influence on Florida going to begin to ebb? When is it going to begin to pull back? <laughs> And I thought for a moment, I said, it hasn't started. Wow. And she said, what? And I said, yeah, you're elderly in Florida. I said, do you ever go to a coffee shop in the morning? I said, and look around, what do you see? Do you see 65 to 85-year-old people? No. What do you see? She said, well, you see 75 to 95-year-old people. I said, that's correct. I said, that's the person who has retired, 75 to 95. I said, baby boomers, the largest generation ever to retire, 80 million of them, are currently 55 to uh, 74. So you're one year away from that hitting you like a tsunami. And she went, oh, you got to be kidding. And I said, no, you don't have enough structure there. You don't have enough of anything in Florida. I said, but the most important thing you don't have, you can build all you want along the shorelines, but you don't have affordable housing. I said, so where are the people? And you drive up and down the street here in Florida, help on it, help on it, help on it, help on it. What do they want help? They don't want elderly help. They want people to help the elderly people and there's no place for them to live. So that's going to be bigger than the sky, affordable housing. You're citing Florida a lot. Is what you're saying true for all states in the US or? Yeah, yeah. I'm almost using Florida as a metaphor because actually if you started in Virginia, you could. But if you go in the Carolinas, come down through Georgia to Florida and then go across the Gulf states to Texas, that's where you're gonna see a huge, huge growth. Even in Mississippi will grow, huge. Would you basically say it's the smile states, you know, the Southern, Yeah, pretty much? Yeah. California, Nevada. My brother's an investor in Nevada. So I, I know a little bit about that, but that Nevada's grown crazy. So you mentioned tsunami. My good friend, I had him on the show, actually. He refers to the coming silver tsunami. Silver meaning, you know, the gray silver hair that a lot of these aging baby boomers are having. And he's referring to millions of baby boomers. So he, he refers to it as a silver tsunami. What are the implications of that generation in general, and more specifically to real estate investors? I mean, should we be focused on senior housing or assisted living? What would you say to real estate investors knowing that the baby boomers are aging and soon will need all kinds of support from, I hate to say hospice, but basically from you know medical services right through to hospice? 
What's the magic number? The magic number in age is 75. That's magic number. That's when the body starts to break. That's when people really start, the death rate really accelerates. It's when you start needing tons of health care and care in general. So it's three categories that are about to get hit with a tsunami and they're not prepared in the slightest. I'm in Florida. I'm here in Florida learning how to be a senior citizen because it's a process. You got you to <laughs> hang out at the pool. You got to listen to other people talk. I had some retina surgery recently and I went back for a checkup and it just frosted me that I have to sit and wait. I was there for two and a half hours. I told the doctor, I said, do you have any idea? I said that the generation that you're currently appealing to is the smallest generation of the last 100 years. It's called the silent generation. They were born 1925 to 1944. I said, that generation, once that generation dissolves, I said, you're going to have the most demanding generation in the world hit you like a tsunami from offshore. And that's the baby boomers. It didn't go in. I watched it. Didn't go in. He didn't hear me say it. So who's going to get hit? It's going to be healthcare. It's going to get whacked. Absolutely whacked. Adult care or elder care, whatever you want to call it. And then death care as well. Death care. For some reason, a gerontologist, a noted gerontologist demographer in the 1990s convinced everybody that the graying of America was happening then and that baby boomers would begin to die en masse in the year 2000. And what happened was the exact opposite. But Wall Street took him seriously. A lot of investors took him seriously. And the death care industry built up only to have the rate of death drop by a third. Wow. It went from three and a half million people a year dying to two and a half. And it was just based on the number of people that were of the dying age. Now we have the reverse of that. Now we have the baby boomers. The baby boomers are one year away from that magic number. And it's going to hit, Marco. It's going to hit. So is it a fair statement to say that when you look at the baby boomers specifically and you look at Generation Y, which are the millennials, you have an opportunity from a real estate investing perspective right across the board from the youngest yeah. to the oldest? You have the people that are going to need the care and you have the people that are going to provide the care and they both need housing. Yeah, exactly. They all need housing. And I see that to be an explosion, particularly with the millennials, because as far as I know, they've opted and chosen to stay home with their parents for as long as they can. They're the Uber generation. They don't want to be anchored to housing. They don't want to be anchored to a car. They want to have that freedom and mobility, which I think is an asset. But now they're getting to the point where they're starting to think of family and they're going to need to start putting roots somewhere. Correct. We're human beings. We get married. I don't want to live in my parents' basement. Do you? I mean, I don't. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I can't do that. I want to raise my family and I want to raise my family according to my own standards. And I want to live where I want to live. It's said that boomers were supposed to live in cities. Well, they lived in cities until they had their second child and figured that they couldn't. And when they determined they couldn't educate their kids in a city, so they moved to the suburbs. So that's going to be the same thing with Gen Y, the millennials. The millennials, a good jag of them are going to live in cities, but a good jag of them are going to live wherever you can live. The country is broken down into four parts by the Census Bureau. And that is the Northeast, the Midwest, the West, and the South. And the Northeast and the West are essentially stagnant in terms of the population. It's been very, very stable. It hasn't increased very much. The South Florida has increased 10% a year. It's a huge increases. So what's the point? Wisconsin's a beautiful place to live. Do you think millennials will move to Wisconsin? Yeah, they will. Oh, yes, they will. They will. Why? Because of the quality of life and because of the availability of housing that's affordable. Uh, 
Texas is amazing. Texas, it kind of has it both. They have like relatively decent weather, but very, very inexpensive real estate. What's happening in Connecticut? I try to convince my fellow folks in Connecticut that it's not the end of the world. What's happening is that Electric Boat and General Dynamics and Sikorsky have all been given money by Trump, and they are on a hiring frenzy of young engineers bringing them in and paying them huge amounts of money, which is perfect. You're going to see the population distribute, and we're fine. It's just a natural thing that's happening. So as we start to land the plane here, let me ask you one more thing about Gen Y. There's a lot of talk about millennials all the time. It seems to be the hot topic in the news, in politics, economics, you name it. They're just everywhere. What do you think the impact of Gen Y will be across the board? Meaning, I'm thinking retail specifically, transportation, and of course, housing. I mean, we talked a little bit about it, but if you were to kind of put it into a package, what will the impact of Gen Y be going forward? It'd be the largest consuming generation in the history of our nation. What do you think is going to happen? So would you say it's like baby boomers on steroids? Yeah, I do. Now, will we view retail differently? Yeah, they will. But there are certain things you can't buy online. And the Amazons of the world only provide about 10% of the retail anyway. The rest of 90% is provided by brick and mortar. We're going to be fine. This is going to be a crop of kids, a tide that's going to raise all boats. We're fine. We really are. And this is subjectivity, okay? I live in a world of numbers, constant numbers. In fact, I'm a little nuts right now because I'm preparing for a presentation in Florida on Saturday, and I need to come up with population numbers from Census Quick Facts. That's my favorite site. And because it is part of the federal government, it's going very slow and they're not updating. <laughs> it's affected me. So it's affected me. Are you surprised? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the place to live, and I've said this over and over again, I said, you, you like Europe? It's too late to go to Europe. Europe is not Europe anymore. Italy is not Italy. I think, have you been there recently? It's, yep. it, it's history. It's not Italy anymore. Well, they have such a high unemployment rate, especially among 20-some-year-olds. I mean, it's over 25%. I mean, that's not a good thing. I'm willing to bet most of them are Muslim. But here's what's going to happen. Things are not good. You're going to have the best and the brightest and the wealthiest come out of the EU are going to come to the United States. They're already coming. Wealthiest Chinese. You're watching them? I got to tell you, man, they're coming to the United States in huge numbers. They are already in huge numbers. You take a look at Vancouver. Vancouver, a thousand square foot condominium sells for a million and a half. I know, a million, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it goes on and on. We're in a state of change. But as long as we don't become xenophobic, as long as we can understand that we're a nation from all other nations, the economy of the United States is going to be fine, no matter who is in office. So in just wrapping up here, my last question to you, you know, maybe not specifically in your wheelhouse, but, you know, what advice would you give to those listening here today who are specifically real estate investors? What would you tell real estate investors today, strategically or otherwise? This is selfish. I told you about my book, you know, the, the Upside book. We broke down every single state, every single state, who's leaving, who's coming. Read it, figure it out. You'll be ahead of the curve and invest. Yeah. And I will give you a plug on that because I just started reading it. You know, I've gone over the table of contents and I'm in the first part of the book and it's excellent. So I think if, even if you're not real, a real estate investor, this is good stuff to know and understand because you live in the US and uh, for most of us listening, of course. But you need to know what's going on around you and the direction that we're going. But I think it's really exciting to be a real estate investor at this point in time, even though 
I can say that across the board, we're finding inventory levels low in most markets, like inventory's tight and it's getting tighter. Right. We're right. finding it. We're having to adopt and move into adopt new markets and move into other areas. And a lot of the markets we're in now are starting to become tertiary markets, not the secondary markets that we're usually in. But that's where we're finding the returns. But those markets are growing too because there's still housing demand. Real estate is very forgiving. I don't want to say deaf, dumb, and blind, you know, and and do well in real estate because there, yeah. you know, you need help. There's a formula for it. But the trends are stacked in your favor. I guess is the point. Yep. The trends are absolutely stacked in your favor. I've got a brother just a little bit older than me that invested in Hermosa Beach, Manhattan Beach, so forth back in the 60s. He begged, borrowed, and steal wherever he could get money for a down payment. He did and bought. Well, guess what? Boomers moved in and he's quite happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. He's got a little more wealth on his balance sheet there. Yeah. Cool. Ken, so do me a favor. Was, tell our listeners how they can find you, your books. Okay. I know you do speaking. You do all kinds of stuff. So just tell us where they can find you and learn more about you. Okay. KGCdirect.com. Everything is there. My books are there. You buy a book from me, I'll sign it and scribe it for you. I speak about 50 times a year. I'm not cheap, but thank God. But <laughs> but I... I <laughs> That's good. I. No, listen, it is good. And I'm often rated the best speaker they've ever heard. And it's not because I'm a, I'm a super speaker. It's because this the information that I just gave you is very actionable. You can do stuff with it. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm a motivated speaker. So kgcdirect.com. The latest book is called Upside Profiting from the Profound Demographic Shifts Ahead. And it was a two-year project where my co-author and myself beat our brains out and it is the Bible for, for strategic planning in real estate. I've been long overdue to get a demographer on the show. I've been thinking about it for a long time. And I can't remember how I got connected to you. I think someone referred me to you, actually. I, I don't know. Yeah, someone referred me to you and said, hey, you should look into this guy and get him on your show. And I said, okay. So I emailed you guys. But no, this has been excellent. It's great. I know that our listening audience will eat this up because... They're smart enough to know, they're very smart, but they're smart enough to know that a lot of this stuff begins with demographics. And if you can see where those trends are and you know what's going on, you can position yourself to profit from it. And that's the idea with investing. This has been great, Ken. I want to thank you for your time. Great information. I'm going to put all your information, including your links in the show notes so people can literally click on it because they listen to you, to us driving to and from work and stuff. So We'll get all that stuff out. Well, you take care, my friend. Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for listening today. This was an incredible episode. It's important to understand the impact that demography and demographics has on what you do in your career and everything else. So in wrapping up here, I just want to say that if you are on YouTube or if you are listening to this on Apple iTunes or Google Play, wherever it may be, just remember to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you get notified every week when we release a new episode. Download the free report on our two websites, The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. It's a free report. Just go to PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com or NoradaRealEstate.com. If you have a question about real estate, click the Ask Marco button on our website and just shoot me an email. I will try to get back to you as quickly as I can, but I do take some of those and I put them on an Ask Marco episode of the show here about once every month. 
And last but not least, help us spread the word. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. I greatly appreciate that. It just helps us spread the word and get the show out to more people who can use this information and would be grateful to have it. So once again, thanks for listening and we will see you on our next episode. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.